Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. The best way to tell whether your employee is doing their job is if you're worrying about how they do their job. If you find yourself thinking about it, if you can't get it off your mind, if you wake up in the middle of the night and think about something that is really their area of responsibility. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. What are you resisting? If you need help tracking it down, first find the most significant chronic pain in your life. So often we're unconsciously resisting some aspect of reality that we don't want to accept as true until this frustration causes so much pain that we can't ignore it anymore and we're forced to either change or suffer. Today we'll analyze where this resistance comes from, including our shared assumption about solving problems that ultimately causes us to experience shame, a feeling that only dilutes our problem-solving efforts. I offer weekly member webcasts, online courses, and mentorship at clearandopen.com because it's my truth that, with the right tools, anyone can eliminate the people, money, and time problems holding them back in business. And I share parts of these webcasts and courses on this show because I want to help you too. If you're enjoying the show and learning from it, I'd love your feedback. If you're listening to the show on an Apple device, All you have to do is open up the podcast app, view the full description of this episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review for the show. Thanks so much for listening. Let's start the show. Want to hear a funny, self-effacing story about my own resistance to change? (laughs) Best look I've seen in a week, Jamie. Thank you. I promise it it ought to have... uh, yeah, a t- teaching point to it and uh, yeah, be somehow be applicable to you. But yeah, it's a funny story. So as many of you know, uh, I live entirely off the grid besides for, uh, this homely DSL line that I'm talking to you all through. And the most expensive part of living off the grid is the batteries. They don't last terribly long. The technology is pretty young and they're pricey. So I've been living here coming up on a year and a half. And last winter was the first winter with two refrigerators on the system because I'd remodeled a uh, cottage that I have that I rent out to a friend of mine that formerly just had a little bar fridge in it. And there's just one 20 amp circuit that goes to the, the whole unit. So it was my first winter uh, with the reduced daylight hours. And beginning in November, we started to lose power easily, more easily than before. So my mind's kind of spinning on it and being like, okay, well, it's just the winter and it's the first time with two fridges. So maybe just during the winter months, going to have to use the generator more. Fortunately, I'd gotten a generator in the summer. Well, to make a longer story as short as possible, uh, as the days started to get longer, and I started to look at, you know, on either side of the, it's the winter solstice, I'm looking at 
okay, well, March should have the equivalent daylight hours of like October, kind of. So we were still losing power in the middle of the night. So I'm trying to figure out, is there like, am I leaving something on? Is it that new UPS supply I got? Is it pulling phantom power? And every morning, because the power is out until the sun comes up, I'm having to decide what things to run, doing things like researching how long can a refrigerator be safely turned off, you know, changing out water pumps because there was a whole water pump drama where uh, someone had sold me one that was a three-quarter horse where before I had a half horse. So I thought, oh, well, maybe it's this. Maybe that's the problem. It's pulling too much energy. All of this... like, And you guys know how my mind is. When there's an unsolved problem, my mind is just constantly working on it. I just, It's very difficult to turn it off. The light side is I can solve just about any problem. The shadow side is I can go crazy. <laughs> so... Finally, and the whole time I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe I need more batteries than I originally thought because the batteries I currently have are only uh, from 2012. They were bought then and they ought to last like 10 or 15 years, not six. So the whole time, what I'm resisting sort of semi consciously is the idea that the batteries need to be completely replaced because that's 15 to 20 grand. Like that, I quote, shouldn't have to spend because those batteries are supposed to last. A certain amount of time. And they're just out of warranty, but that warranty wouldn't even be honored because the company's gone out of business and then reopened in order to avoid having to serve uh, the warranties of the old batteries. It's like Aquion is the company uh, funded by Bill Gates, actually. And they just restarted about three months ago. So you can see this, and this is like just 60% of all the elements that are going through my head, right? So finally, I'm so frustrated. And so chronically overwhelmed by having this problem in the back of my mind all the time. And it's, you know, mid March and we're getting plenty of sun and I'm still losing power in the middle of the night. I finally get an actual solar engineer to come out here and I pay the 90 bucks for the hour. And he comes out here and in five minutes, he confirms the batteries are going. Some of them are completely gone. In fact, of the 10 I have, only four are really working very well at all. Because actually, there are a lot of batteries and only four of them are working. And in that moment, I, w- I can't tell you how grateful I was that I, I had a problem that could be completely solved for $15,000. Whereas before, I was dreading having to drop the fifteen grand that I didn't want to. I was willing to pay thirty dollars to make this problem go away. Because life had squeezed me into a surrender where the problem was so frustrating and so annoying that I was willing to do just about anything to solve it. But prior to that, I mean, I'm learning a lot about off-grid stuff. I didn't know someone could just come in, turn off the breaker to the each individual battery and test it. I didn't know it would be that obvious. But I also knew that I didn't know that and didn't seek to find out. Like, well, maybe if the batteries are dead, I didn't call someone up and say, well, how would I find out? Can you, you know, because they would have been able to tell me in 60 seconds how easy that is. But I didn't want to know. See, I didn't want to know. I didn't want to know that the batteries were dead and that because I'd made up it was going to cost 20 or 25 grand to replace them. And I just didn't want to know that. But I wasn't really conscious that I didn't want to know that. Because if I was conscious that I didn't want to know that, if I was fully conscious of that, then I would have said, well, that's weird. You know, I'm Joseph Shapiro. I'm the guy who talks about living in reality all the time. 
I'm seeing I'm resisting to this aspect of reality. Okay, I'm going to call someone up and find out the reality. Right? It was it was largely unconscious until the pain of it served to wake me up. Where I just wanted to freaking know, and it didn't matter what it was going to cost me. So. I hope you're hearing, I'll put some words around it, but maybe you're already hearing in this story, this is how life is. You know, this is how life is. There's a certain aspect of reality that we unconsciously resist, that we don't want to accept as true. And then it causes us pain until we're willing to accept it. Right? This is what usually is happening about 18 months before a divorce. Right. <laughs> this is what is happening, you know, six months or a year before a business partnership splits up. This is what happens when an employee quits and gives seven days notice, and you're like, oh man, I should have fired that person a long time ago. Right. This is constantly going on. And so the game, if you I hate to use that word, but the the path, the quest, the mission, the work is to ask yourself, what am I resisting? And look for the pain that you're in as a clue. What's the pain that you're in? What's the chronic pain that you're in? What's the chronic frustration that you're in? What are you most easily and able to complain about? An employee, uh, a spouse, a job, an aspect of your job, a, a landlord, a lease, whatever it is. What's right there that is the thorn in your side and what is that telling you about your resistance to change of course meta to this or prior to this is an assumption that all frustrations have solutions and that's a really interesting one i I don't think i've ever talked about it this way before but it connects to shame right because to Take the kind of leap of faith that all frustrations are solvable is one there's a there's a picture of life in implicit in that that life could be a certain level of goodness that maybe you're not currently experiencing or ever have experienced that's one piece of it, but then there's a shame piece as well. Because if you've got deep wells of unconscious shame, undigested like most people do, then you don't feel like you deserve to have a frustration, maybe not frustration-free, but minimally frustrating life. That requires self-worth. And if I had had 20% more self-worth than I currently do, then two months ago, Three months ago, I'm, it might have occurred to me, you know what? I'm spending way too much bandwidth on this problem. I don't care if it's going to cost me 20 grand to fix this. If it costs that, it costs that. But this just isn't worth it. But it took me all that time to sort of see, wow, I'm really suffering over this. And then finally, it kind of squeezed up out of me. It took a lot of consternation and frustration and rumination and other nouns that end in T-I-O-N to finally be like, this isn't worth it. I can't do this. Like I literally was like, I can't write a book this year if I wake up in the morning and there's no power every day. 
this isn't this isn't going to cut it. I'm doing the same thing with my uh, yard worker who is earnest guy, knows a lot, hard worker, but is completely and totally unreliable. Same kind of thing. He's cheap, but one of my favorite Murphy's Law quotes, uh, if you pay peanuts, you get monkeys. So <laughs> isn't that great? So same kind of thing. Like, wow, it's a, you know, it's a lot of land and it's, I'm saving a lot of money with this guy. And in a typical week, I'm calling him six times to see when he's going to come to see if he'll answer his phone. I can't do that anymore. I'm willing to pay 30, 40% more for someone who will answer the phone. What this brings up is I've had a belief that entry level, everyone starts at the bottom, pay them uh, accordingly uh-huh. uh, is the way to build the business. But as we, uh, my business was the one who the person gave seven day notice today, the day before they leave for a conference, that I have an opportunity to hire someone that's twice as much, but I'm fairly certain I wouldn't be dealing with any of this bullshit. Yeah. And so that's kind of even reconfirming that there's this level of immaturity that we've been dealing with for years mm-hmm. may come from the fact that, you know, everyone we hire at the bottom and they come up instead of paying for the maturity yeah. and the experience. And then those people will give me, and John left and gave me 30 days. Yeah. Uh, quite appropriate. And mm-hmm. so that's what it's bringing up, what you're sharing with me, what you're sharing with us today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sobering. And, you know, it's not that hiring young, inexperienced people and training them up isn't a, isn't, can't be a right thing. Depends on the job and the circumstance. And now you're super clear about what you require in terms of maturity from those people. And you're going to be super honest with them from their very start about where their maturity is at so that they don't have years of time to have their immaturity poorly validated or falsely validated, right? So there's that. But uh, yeah, it gives, gives pause. And you know, more than time and money, you know, like when I was the straw that broke the back for me with this yard worker of mine is, um, just, I just saw how my mind when I was sitting and meditating, when I was writing, how my mind would just drift off to, oh yeah, I got to call Al later today. I wonder if he'll come by. And it's just like, wow, there's my mind doing something that it really needs to not be doing. And like, you know, we all have enough of those things in our life where our minds wander to responsibilities. We have open uh, loops, loose ends that. You know that's that's already just part of life, and then taking ownership is limiting those to an absolute minimum. And so, I was talking with a marketing consultant that I used for a while, and we were talking about the 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 most important things to delegate so that someone else owns them. And we were making a little list. It was uh, accounting and bookkeeping, so you don't have to hold that super small. Uh, house cleaning. You do not clean your own house. And this is a really uh, interesting one for me because the time it takes to clean a house is not nearly as significant as the holding of it. Because when similar, similar with accounting in, in some ways, but I think even greater because dirt in a house is there all the time. You know? But when I see like a ring around my bathtub, for example, 
It's not my problem. It is not my problem. It does not register as something that is remotely anything I have to do. If I just wait enough time, it will disappear. Why? Because my house cleaner is already scheduled. (laughs) I won't even have to tell her about it. You see? And so when you're walking through your house and you're seeing dirt or clutter or whatever, that's all registering to you as I'm going to have to do something about that if you're the person who cleans in your house at all. And the, the one that this marketing consultant added that I thought was really clever was a personal trainer. And when you have a personal trainer, you're delegating your own fitness to be someone else's responsibility. I thought that was really clever. Because, I mean, imagine if someone, I, I don't do this, I've, I've been thinking about it recently. Imagine someone comes to your house three times a week and tells you what to do, and then you sweat, and then that's it. They, they come to you every time. You don't have to hold your own personal fitness in that way. That frees up bandwidth. I'm sure it does, and I'm thinking about doing it. Yeah, I have experience with that lately. Actually, I go, still go to the gym, but I have a personal trainer. Yeah, yeah. And it's changed, it's changed the dynamics because it's so funny, but I mean, I'm, I won't miss. Yeah. Well, you've decided that you sort of work for him, right? I mean, there's a kind of contextual accountability. There's money to be lost if I don't show up, you know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It really works. So when we translate this generally into delegation in a business, the it's, it's tricky and kind of subtle and intangible. But the best way to tell whether your employee is doing their job is if you're worrying about how they do their job. If you find yourself thinking about it, if you can't get it off your mind, if you wake up in the middle of the night and think about something that is really their area of responsibility. Now, there's subtleties to this, of course. It could be your own neurosis. You got to look at it through that filter. Or you know, are you just being a control freak or... Whatever you're not giving enough time to learn it, or or whatever that is. But if you chronically can't let go of worrying about some aspect of someone's job, then that's the first, I think, an earliest sign that something is wrong. And then what will happen if you don't do something about it? What will happen after that is they'll make a mistake, a small one. Then they'll make another small one. Then they'll make a bigger one. Then they'll lose a $30,000 a year client of yours or something. But it all starts with just that feeling of you just can't quite let go. And by the same token, you know, uh, if you have a house cleaner and you look at dirt after they've been working for you for a month or two and you look at some dirt, some scuff on the floor or whatever it is, and you think, I need to do something about that, could be you don't have a good enough house cleaner because they might miss it. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that clear and open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow, I'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcasts app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com slash review, and it will bring you to the right place. 
If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.